3, amen, Galatians chapter 3, and um, most of the verses we're going to look at tonight I have, uh, I'll put them up on the screen, but still I'd like for you to turn, if you have your Bibles, I, I, you know, the more familiar you become with the scriptures and, and um, especially like if, if you'll get one Bible and kind of stick with it and make some notes in it and highlight some verses in it and, and start to become familiar with it, amen, it'll, it'll really help you in, in your individual study and, and learning and growing. Sometimes, I, you know, I don't know exactly where a verse is, but I know it's on, you know, somewhere on this side of the page, you know, and, and uh, so if you become more and more familiar uh, with your Bible, um, that'll help you uh, as we continue to grow in our understanding of the scriptures. Amen. Let me um, ask you a question tonight, and, and really it's not a trick question. We, we can all say yes to this, but have you, ever, um, have you ever wronged another person and because you've wronged them, avoided them? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you know, you, you, you wronged them, and that could be a, something on a small scale, it could be something on a large scale, but, you know, you feel like that person's angry with you and you, maybe not so much even if they're angry with you, it's just something inside of you causes you to want to avoid them. And, and how about you've wronged somebody, um, are you really expecting them to like, you know, send you a Christmas card or a Christmas gift? Or, in other words, you, 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 if you've wronged somebody, you're not really expecting them. Uh, you don't have a lot of confidence in uh, their willingness uh, to help you or, or to do something for you. Um, you compare that to somebody that, you know, you're really close to, maybe you've done a bunch of favors for, and now you need some help from, from that person, and um, you have more confidence in asking someone that you feel like, listen to me very carefully now, owes you a favor, you know, it's like they owe me a favor, and so, you know, man, I've done so much for him, I'm going to call him, I need some help moving this couch, you know, and, and so we're more confident and bold if we feel like, that person somehow owes us something, and if there's, you know, nothing that we've done to wrong that person that would make us feel awkward or, or try to, you know, like, look the other way if we see them in the crowd or, some, or something along those lines. Well, these simple things that I'm illustrating here, um, I'm trying to help you understand this. Remember, Father God wants fellowship from you, and He wants blessing for you. Amen? He wants fellowship from you, and He wants blessing for you. But notice now, when we feel like we've wronged him, when we feel like we, we've disappointed him, when, when we've done things that he's told us not to do, um, and, and we've been rebellious or, or what have you, um, notice how this makes us want to avoid fellowship with him. And it, it makes us feel extremely unworthy or undeserving of any help uh, or blessing from him. Um, and so this is, this is the power um, that, uh, that, that sin can affect uh, on our lives. It, it separates us from fellowship with our Father, and it um, disqualifies us from the blessing. Now, I want you to hear me, please. And I know some of you seem to be interested in some other things tonight, so please, please, answers you're looking for are, are coming to you tonight by the Holy Spirit, okay? So what, what we've got to understand is not our perspective on these things, but Father's perspective on these things. Are you, do you understand what I mean by that? In other words, you know, we're looking at it as, 
you know, we've, we've wronged him and we've done wrong and, and, and so now we're trying to avoid him and, and we don't feel comfortable asking him um, for help. But, but that's not how he looks at it if, if you've been born again. If, if you've been born again, you stand before him uh, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Um, Father doesn't see you as a sinner. He doesn't even see you as a forgiven sinner. He sees you as a new creation in Christ Jesus, one who has never sinned, okay? And so, you know, how different would it be if we saw ourselves the way he sees us? So now keep in mind, so, so watch this. If you're born again, you've, made, you've been made right before God in the eyes of God. You've been restored into fellowship with him, right standing with him, and, and you have been blessed by him with the same blessing that, that, that which is basically like the high water mark of, of blessing in the Bible. Uh, you've been blessed with the blessing of, of Abraham, okay? But if, if you still see yourself as someone who has disappointed him, who has let him down, who, who you know, that he's mad at you, um, you're not going to step up into that fellowship, nor are you going to step up effectively into the blessing that is upon you, okay? So, I know that these are some big words and some churchy sounding words, um, and I'm really trying to break this down and make it plain so that anybody who wants to hear this can, can, can hear it and understand it tonight. Truly break it down, put it on a low enough shelf so everybody can reach it, okay? Um, and so we have these words blessing and, and justify, blessing and justification. Um, this, this morning um, we said that in the New King James Version of the Bible, uh, blessing, bless, Blessed, E-D, um, 524 times we, we find some version of that word. And the word righteous or righteousness, 546 times. So obviously these, these are words that are used throughout the Bible. Um, and we see that um, while they're obviously you know, used separate from one another, um, we see a... We see a connection, a relationship. Let's not miss this now. We see a connection and a relationship between blessing and righteousness throughout the Bible. As a matter of fact, there are many verses. I shared several of them this morning. There are many verses that actually have the same, th those two words in the same passage together alongside one another. Um, and then even in places where, where they're not specifically saying um, blessing and, and righteousness or blessing and justification, um, we see that it's implied. We see that it's implied, okay? Like, for instance, Matthew 6.33. Let me give you an example. Matthew 6.33 is one of my life verses. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So all these things are talking about the things that we need in life. All these things are talking about the provisions that we need in life, the answers that we need in life, the, 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 the help that we need in life. And notice, um, if, if we're seeking after the things we think we need and putting those things ahead of God, we're going to miss on, on both levels. But if we will seek God first, His kingdom first, His righteousness... What does that mean, his righteousness? His ways of being and doing right. If, if we will make that a priority, then notice that you can't keep the blessing away from your life if, if, you'll, if you'll put that first and make that a priority in your life. So all these things will be added unto you. I was listening to, um, to Bishop Keith Butler 
um, on Victory Network this afternoon. And um, he said that they have a 24 uh, hour a day, 365 days a year, 24, 365 um, prayer line. And um, they receive up to 70,000 calls a year on that prayer line. Okay. And he said the um, top four things that people call in that prayer line and, and request prayer for protection. I'm not making this up, okay? For those of you who've been around this, this sermon series for a few minutes, amen? Uh, protection, provision, prosperity, not promotion. Promotion, but promotion's in there. The fourth one, he said, are things pertaining to their children, okay? Things pertaining to their children. But again, if you understand prosperity doesn't just mean money. Prosperity means success, direction, you, you know, all of that, right? So notice now, of 70,000 calls a year and the four key things that people are always calling for prayer about are things that are covered in the blessing that we've already received, that we've already been given. Amen. Now that's not to like condemn anybody that calls a prayer line or asks for prayer about those things, but I'm just trying to show you the things that people are troubled the most about, things that people are looking for answers concerning things that are weighing the heaviest on people's hearts and minds, right, are things that Father God has already provided for us. Now, as we've worked our way through this study, we began by talking about this thing called the blessing. And we're going to keep talking about it. But what I began to realize from the Holy Spirit is unless we understand our righteousness alongside the blessing. It's kind of like um, we talk about, you know, the things that belong to you because of who you are. That's your heritage, okay? Your heritage is what belongs to you because of who you are. And of course, the Bible has much to say about that. And if I just simply, you know, teach you what belongs to you because of who you are, but never teach you who you are, It'll sell right over your head. In other words, before you can connect with, on a personal level, what belongs to you because of who you are, you've got to first know who you are. And I could teach you about the blessing for the next three years, but if you never understand your righteousness, that all that teaching on the blessing is just going to sell right over your head. It's going to seem like wishful thinking. Right? So it's not that, you know, it's either or, it's both and. And, and we see that in Scripture. We see that, that Scripture connects righteousness with blessing. Amen. Now, let me give you, again, the, uh, the classic example of this. And, and here we have it in, um, in Galatians 3. One more time. Galatians 3 and 7. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify, that word justify, again, it means to be made righteous, to be made right, just as if I'd never sinned. The Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. If the Scriptures foresaw it, you understand foreseeing something means seeing something happening before it happens. Foreseeing means to see something happening before it happens. If the Scriptures foresaw it, guess what that means? It was always God's plan. This was always His plan. This was not plan B. This was plan A. Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world, 
Right? And the Scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, non-Jewish people. You could even simplify that and say justify the nations. Because the Israeli nation also must be justified by faith. They, the Bible says it this way, the Scriptures have concluded all under sin. It's not, that, you know, it's not that the biological descendants of Abraham never sinned and everybody else did. Everybody sinned. Everybody, Jew and non-Jew alike, have come short of the glory of God. The Scriptures foreseeing that God would justify, and notice, would justify means it didn't happen in the Old Testament this way. We have a couple of examples of people who were ahead of their time. Amen? But it wasn't until the blood of Jesus... It wasn't until Jesus did for you and me what He did for us, becoming our sin so that we could become His righteousness, amen, that we are able to uh, receive the blessing of Abraham on our individual lives. And the Scripture for seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, He preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Now, Come on, let's not get bogged down in the details tonight, but I want to I dig a little deeper into this, okay? Because what we also see, now I don't have this verse to put on the screen, so turn with me to Romans 4. In your Bibles, turn with me to Romans 4. Amen. I should have put this one in there, but I didn't think we were going to get there tonight, but I think this is really the best time for us to look at this. Romans chapter 4. Anybody here ever heard Abraham referred to as the father of faith? Father of all them who believed. Amen. We used to sing it. I didn't understand it. We used to sing it in, in Sunday school when we were, when we were kids. Um, father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, Father Abraham. Here we go again, right? Okay. All right. So I'd sing it, man. I was, you know, it was a catchy tune, you know, for a seven-year-old. So I thought it was pretty cool, you know. And um, uh, you say, you're going to be singing in the shower when you get home tonight, right? Father Abraham, many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. All right. So praise God. Amen. All right. So, I mean, we sang it, but I didn't really understand what it meant. Okay. Uh, until I grew older and, and understood that he's the father of everybody who believes because he is the original faith man, if you will. But notice now, what we see in Abraham, again, is this amazing combination of righteousness by faith accompanied with God's blessing. Abraham was not just blessed by God. Remember, God called him out. And he believed God and he left his homeland and he went to this place that God told him he was going to take him. And God says, I'm going to bless you and I'm, and I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to make you a blessing. It's one thing to be, uh, to be blessed. It's another thing to be so blessed that you're blessing other people, right? And he said, I'm going to make you a blessing. But we also see in this same Abraham that the Bible says in Romans 4 that he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. My friend, that is not a coincidence. That is not a coincidence. The Old Testament, again, some of the verses we looked at this morning, I'm not going to take the time right now, just stay with me in Romans 4. But some of the verses that we looked at this morning, um, let me just uh, uh, hit you with a couple of them right quick, okay? Proverbs 10 and 6, blessings are on the head 
of the righteous. Proverbs 20 and 7, the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed. Um, Psalm 106.3, blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. Amen. And there, there's, a, there's several others, but let's just get back to this. Romans 4 and verse number 1. You there? You still with me? All right, what then shall we say, chapter 4, verse 1, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Okay, let's learn something really, really important now. I mentioned all those hundreds of times, 546, 524 that the word righteous or some version of it and the word blessing or some version of it is mentioned throughout the Word of God. But what we see is an amazing uh, difference between how the Old Testament deals with righteousness and blessing and the New Testament deals with righteousness and blessing. Okay, In the Old Testament, righteousness was something um, you earned by something you did. All right? Something to be earned by something that you, that you do, okay? In the New Testament, we see it's completely different. It's not about earning by doing. It's about becoming by believing. Earning by doing versus becoming by believing. Earning by doing versus becoming by believing. So this is what he's talking about here. Right? If you go and work for somebody, you say, I'm going to work eight hours for you today, and they're going to pay you 200 bucks because you worked eight hours for them, right? At the end of the day, when they give you $200, you may say thank you, but you don't consider that a gift. You consider that a, a wage that, that they owed you that. You earned it, and they owed it to you because of something you did. If somebody just walks up to you and hands you 200 bucks because the Lord told them to do it. In other words, you didn't, you didn't work, you didn't earn. That's, they're not paying you for uh, something you earned. They're just blessing you. They're just giving it to you, right? So this is, uh, this is what Father has done for us. Now, the, the, the challenge, we're going to deal with this in the, in the coming days, but the, the challenge is we're, we're children of promise. That's what you, man... Just start looking at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm, I'm a son of promise. I'm a daughter of promise. Amen. He talks about this deeper down in the book of Galatians. He says that we're, we're not like um, the, the, the son born uh, from the slave woman, the bond woman, but we're, we're born uh, uh, by, by, by faith, by, not by the works of the flesh, but by faith. And so we're not... Children of works were children of promise. And what we receive, we're receiving by faith in what God has promised. Let me keep reading here. Um, verse 5. But to him who does not work but believes on him, that doesn't mean doesn't work like is lazy. That's not what he means. He's talking about working to try to earn their righteousness to try to earn their right standing before God in the eyes of God. Remember the prodigal son, the, the younger brother, he comes home not to be his father's son. 
He comes home to be his father's servant, to be a slave, because he hopes that given enough time, he can somehow earn his way back into his father's good graces. He's hoping that if he can be good enough, long enough, he can somehow compensate for the foolish things he did in the past, and somehow his father see him in a different light than he thought his father saw him. But remember the story. His father runs to meet him, falls on his neck and kisses him, puts a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, rub on his back. This is my son. He didn't call him a servant. He didn't say fill out an application and I'll get back to you. He didn't say submit a resume and I'll see if I can get around to giving you an interview. No. He, this is my son. Kill the fatted calf. I thought he was dead. He's alive again. But the whole time that son see, is saying, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Because he is caught up in this Old Testament mindset of right standing with his father is based upon something he earns by something he does. And we see a complete, because remember the father in this story is, Jesus is telling us this parable and he's representing our heavenly father. The, the, the father in the story is, is, is meant to reveal something to us about our heavenly father. And this is the heart of our heavenly father for every one of us. It's, you know, see, people have this wait and see approach to us. Am I right about it? Come on now. <laughs> I, have a, I have a dear friend, and, and uh, he struggled with addiction in the past, but he's well beyond that now. But he, and he laughs about it. He doesn't get offended by it. But, but he talks about like, you know, once a year they have the big family reunion. And, and aunts, his aunts, you know, uh, be over in the corner, and they'll be going, well, he looks good. You know, he's, he's put on some weight. You know, and they just be like, and he's over there. He's like, y'all know I can hear y'all, right? You know, I mean, like, but again, they're kind of, you know, they're still not sure. Jury's still out on whether or not he's really changed. You know, they're keeping their pocketbooks close. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> hey, man, wrote me about it, right? And so we think that's the attitude our Heavenly Father has. Well, you know, I'll forgive you, but I'm really not sure you've changed yet. We'll see about it. No. You know how he knows you've changed? Because he changed you. He changed you. That's, that's how he knows you're changed. And so we don't see a we don't we don't see a, a, a wait and see attitude here. And this is what Jesus again is trying to show us about the heart of our Heavenly Father. Now, um, so again, verse number 5, Romans 4 and verse 5. But to him who does not work, think earn based upon what you do, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So notice, this happened first with Abraham. Abraham's faith was accounted for righteousness. Now we see that he who does not work believes on him. That's, in other words, if you believe, your faith is also accounted for righteousness. Now here it is, verse 6. Just as David also describes the blessedness. Come on now, you following along with me in your, in your, in your Bible? I wish I had this on the screen. Uh, I wish I had it in my notes to put on the screen. Amen. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Verse 7. Blessed are those 
whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Now, I don't know about you, I don't walk around using the word impute on a daily basis. Okay? So what does it mean? It means to keep a record of. To keep a record of. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not keep a record of his sin. Not keeping record of it anymore. Wow. You say, well, why is he not keeping a record of it anymore, Pastor Mark? He's not keeping a record of it anymore because any record that he would keep, um, would be, it would be kept so that the, the debt could be settled at some point in the future. Right? In other words, if, if, if in my business, I'm extending someone credit, you know, let's say the rental properties here at the church, you know, we keep a record of who's paid and when, the different blessed tenants that we have, thankful for each one of them. We keep a record of of who's paid and who hasn't. And of course, we try to be merciful and, and graceful, uh, you know, extend grace. Um, you know, we, we helped get a church started <laughs> that over here in, in, in one of our buildings, and, and they struggled sometimes to, to pay. And, uh, you know, we, I'm not going to be the pastor who evicts a church, you know what I'm saying? Uh, praise God. Uh, well, I guess... Amen. The Lord helped me with that. But let's, let's not dig up all that. But the point, I'm, the point I'm trying to make, we kept a record of it, right? Um, uh, why did we? So that, you know, if they ever call down here and say, uh, hey, Pastor Mark, how much do we owe? How many months are we behind? You, you follow what I'm saying? Uh, we can tell them. Amen. Right? But if... Somebody came in and paid the next 50 years of rent payment for them. You, you follow what I'm saying? There's, there's no need to keep a record. It's already covered. It's already paid. See, every sin that you've ever committed or ever will commit has already been paid for. There's only one sin that will ever send a man or a woman to hell. And that's the sin of rejecting Jesus. The Bible says that He paid for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of the entire world. He was one sacrifice for all sin, of all, for all humanity, for all time. There's only one sin that will send a man or woman to hell, and that's, that's refusing to come to the light when the light's right here for you to run to. Instead of running to the light, people run from the light, and that's what dooms them for eternity. He's not keeping a record of it anymore. Now I know again that that <laughs> I could show it, we could spend the rest of of March showing you that in Scripture. It's well documented. I'm not trying to pull one you know obscure verse and stretch it to fit here. So, I'm, but again, I'm trying to show you tonight. You know. We see ourselves as, as, as sinners. We see ourselves as unworthy. We see ourselves as failures, as losers, as, as, as this and that. That is not how your Heavenly Father sees you. 
But notice the blessedness of the man to whom God does not impute sin. See, if there's no sin being imputed, there's no fellowship being interrupted, and there's nothing hindering His ability to bless you. We've been saying it this way, just to make it simple, just to make it memorable. Just again, low enough shelf, anybody wants to walk out of here with this tonight can walk out of here with it, okay? Justified means qualified. Just as if I'd never sinned means I am qualified for fellowship with God and for blessing from Him. Okay? But temporary justification could only equal temporary qualification. If I'm only temporarily justified, I'm only temporarily qualified. But if I'm permanently justified, I am permanently qualified. And His blood has permanently justified us, meaning we are now permanently qualified. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Turn with me, and I'll finish right here. Turn with me to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm -mm. You get anything out of this tonight? Man, thank you, Jesus. Do you see how this what the Bible teaches about us being blessed and what the Bible teaches about us being justified are linked. They were linked in the father of these things. He wasn't just the father of faith. He's the father of faith because um, he was blessed because of what he believed and what he did because of what he believed. I'm about Abraham now. And father preached the gospel to him, told him the whole story many generations before Jesus would ever arrive here on this planet. Told him the whole story, and Abraham believed it, and that was powerful enough for him to be declared righteous before God. Amen. Now, in, um, I know I got you in Matthew 5. In Acts chapter 3, the Bible says that Jesus came to forgive us and to bless us. So there, again, that particular passage doesn't use the word righteous or justification but this is what he's talking about when he forgives he he removes sin from us so he came to forgive and to bless i'm offering to you tonight that one is dependent upon the other because sin is what disqualified us um you know to, to fellowship with god and it disqualified us uh to be blessed by him now watch time out i got to get this one part thank you holy spirit let me do it now because it keeps coming up and I, I keep saying, well, we'll do it at the end, we'll do it at the end. But let's do it right now, okay? This is where our minds being renewed are so important. Because we do see that, that justification and blessing are not just related, but, but one leads to the other. Sin Again, let's go through it one more time. Sin separates you from fellowship with the Father, disqualifies you to be blessed by Him, and at the same time qualifies you to be cursed. So Jesus came as a permanent solution for our sin problem. Okay? And if you've been born again tonight, you are now 
made righteous by the blood of Jesus. You've become righteous. Not something you're trying to earn or do. It's something you've become. You've become righteous, which means you are now qualified for fellowship with Father, and you are now qualified to be blessed by Him. But watch this. As long as you still think of yourself and see yourself as a sinner, you're going to do this when you have an opportunity to do this. And you're going to more than likely not ask for help, even though he's right there trying to help you. Because you still see yourself as a sinner, you still see yourself as a failure, as, as a disappointment, somebody who's wronged him. And notice that creates, this probably is not a strong enough word, but it creates a reluctance on your part, on my part, if I allow that same mindset to interfere with me. It, it, require, it, it, it creates a reluctance or hesitancy or resistance on my part to fellowship with him. I remember as, as I, and I'm continuing to grow to this day, I remember like if I'd struggle with things in my flesh throughout the week, I'd come to church, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lift my hands and worship. I didn't feel worthy to worship. You see what I'm saying? Notice how the devil's trying to compound this now. I've made some mistakes. Now I don't think God wants me to worship him. Are you kidding me? It's one thing I needed to do the most is humble myself before him and worship him, Right? Well, see, the devil will have you all, your hands hanging down, your head hanging down. I'm not worthy. I might as well not even go to church. You know, the devil's telling you, what are you who do you think you are going down to that church? You hypocrite. You know, you've, you did this this week. You said this just the other day. You acted this way. And now you're going to go down there and like you something. You know, see, again, that's just the devil lying to you. Father, start there's arms open wide. He's wanting to hug you and love you and help you. But because we feel like we've wronged him, we're, we're giving him one of these, you know, and kind of walking on past. All right. Matthew 5. So, again, Jesus came to do what? He came to forgive you and to bless you. Let's add one more thing to that. He came to teach you. He came to teach you about these things. See if... Any of this sounds familiar to you. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse number 6 is the one I want to close out with tonight. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is often referred to as the Beatitudes, right? And the idea behind the beatitude is he's saying that, that there's, he's talking here about a mindset, of course, that leads to action, but, but he's, like when he talks about someone who's poor in spirit, one of the best ways that I've ever heard that explained is, think of a, of a really high-spirited horse. 
hard to control, wanting to do its own thing, rearing up all the time, fighting against those that are trying to help him, kicking at those who are trying to, right? That's high-spirited. So when he, when, he, when he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, right? He's talking about somebody that's, that's, that's humble, and he talks about it even meek. He's, he's talking about someone who, who you know, isn't fighting and, and, and rebelling against, but someone who is submissive would be another great way of saying this. Um, those who mourn, comforted, meek, inherit the earth. Meek doesn't mean weak. It's, it's talking about power under control here. You know, it, again, I'm not here to try to teach you all these things, but I'm just, again, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's a lot of folks who hunger and thirst for blessing. Are you hearing me? A lot of folks who want God to bless them, who want God to provide for them, who want God to protect them and their families, who want God to, to help them succeed. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> who want God to promote them. We got some sermons coming on, on, on promotion, okay? You do realize that part of God blessing Abraham was he said, I'm going to make your name great. Wow. Jesus said, you don't put a light under a basket. You put it up on a lampstand so that others can benefit. Amen. So Father's wanting to promote you. He's wanting to promote us. Come on now. <laughs> All right, let me get back to this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So, you know, we see people, even like that part of us that wants to be great, or that part of us that, that wants to be known, or that part of us that wants to be recognized, that's, that part of us is, can only truly, genuinely be satisfied by the blessing. You know, you want to be great in, in an area that you're passionate about. You know, so I'm, you know, I'm not talking about pride. Don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about pride. We got some young people that, that play sports, and uh, and and they want to be great at it, and they work hard and practice hard at it. We got we got young people that that are in, in our church that are really I mean they they're in high level academics, high level academics, um, stuff that you know they're doing in high school now that that um, you know more intense than some of the things I did in college, okay. And they want to be good at it. They want to, they want to excel. They want to be great. Don't misunderstand me. That's not, when the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, Jesus didn't rebuke them for desiring to be great. He told them how to be great. So, but even that, that desire in us to succeed and to, and to be great, even to be famous, even to be famous. I know that. Come on now. I'm talking about young people tonight because sometimes the older we get, we kind of lose sight of, of those kinds of dreams in our hearts, right? Remember when you was a kid and you wanted to be famous? I got the right brunch tonight? You wanted to be famous? Amen. Father God said, Abraham, I'm, I'm going to make you famous. I'm sure Abraham's like, what in the world? How am I going to be famous? God made him famous. Amen. Amen. But notice, he, he didn't say, 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for fame. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for greatness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. No, no. Blessed, empowered to be great, empowered to be successful, empowered uh, to prosper are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, stand with me. Praise God. I know I'm out of time. Thank you for your patience tonight. I, I try to hit a target, and I'm able to a little late in getting there, but here's, here's the thing. The prophets had already spoken of, of righteousness by faith. We already had the Old Testament account of Abraham and David, two of the most popular Jewish figures of the Old Testament receiving righteousness by faith. We see that David prophetically said that, that there was coming a day when God would not only give blessing as a gift, he would give righteousness as a gift. What, what previously could only be earned, he's now saying there's coming a day when it will be given as a gift because you can't be blessed without right standing. And, and that was the problem nobody could be good enough to have right standing. So he says, the day's coming when that's going to change, right? So when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the audience who was listening to him that day, by the way, this was the beginning of the greatest sermon ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. The audience who was listening to him that day, I, I would dare say close to 100% of them had an Old Testament understanding of righteousness. Do you know what I mean by that? In other words, when he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, what they heard was, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for obedience to, to Moses' law. But I'm sure when Jesus is saying it, he's like setting the stage for everything he's going to teach and everything he's going to provide and everything that's going to happen, right, throughout the end of the New Testament. And so he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness in the back of his mind. It's kind of like when he said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you'll never enter heaven. And they're all like, we just might as well go home now. You know, because they thought righteousness was, was an outward appearance. They thought righteousness was, you know, long robes with the phylacteries and all this, you know, accoutrements and all these other things, their garb and all that stuff. And they're like, man, we could... That to them, those men were epitomes of righteousness, you know. And, of course, Jesus said they're like a, a tomb, look good on the outside, full of dead men's bones on the inside. So even when Jesus, it's that same vein when he says hunger and thirst for righteousness, he's, Jesus knows that he's going to offer himself as a payment and make right standing with God a free gift that can be received by faith to the Jew first and then also to the other peoples of the world. Amen. Amen. Father, you're good to us and we love you. And we are blessed, Father, because we hunger and thirst for your ways of being and doing right. Lord, not something that we earn by doing, but something we become by believing. Thank you, Father, for this indescribable gift, this abundance of grace, and this gift of right standing with you. Father, because we've been justified, we're qualified. And should we ever feel like we're not welcome in your presence, Father, should we, rem we need to remember, help us remember that you've made us right and that if we do something to wrong you, all we've got to do is ask you 
to forgive us and to cleanse us and to get that out of our minds and help us move past it, Father. Grow beyond it. And Father, help us to never consider ourselves ever again to be disqualified from blessing because of the sin and the mistakes that we've made in the past. Because Jesus paid for those mistakes so that we could legally as well as vitally be blessed with the blessing of Abraham tonight. Help us embrace it, Father. Help us lay hold of it. Help us believe it and walk in it in its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you so much for being here.